Hello, everyone, and welcome. Uh, I want to have so much to talk to you about tonight. I want to first take a look at the chat. And please uh, take a look at the chat. Use the chat. Write your questions. Um, allow this experience tonight to be an experience that is uh, a back and forth experience. It's hard for me to be able to unmute you tonight but I'm going to try to make this as interactive as possible. I'd like to uh, begin by thanking all those who had an opportunity to donate. It really helps all the work that we're doing, and uh, it's a huge, huge uh, um, gift to so many. Right now, all of the money that you donate is going to go to a fund that I created to help needy brides. And uh, it's a very special segula, a very special uh, merit for those who are looking for their soulmate to give to a fund for needy brides. And so therefore, that's why I've chosen uh, for that fund. And I'm going to just put it over here so that you can, uh, you can have the link. It's jewishndg.com slash donate. That's jewishndg.com slash donate. Also, a bunch of you have asked me recently to uh, come and speak to some of your groups. I'm very happy at any time to come and speak to your friends, to your groups, and other groups that you know about. Tonight's topic is a very difficult topic. And I'm really fascinated and I'm interested. I knew that it would be more of a niche topic uh, compared to some of the other topics that I have um, that I have done in the past, yet um, I have gotten so many questions recently on this topic that I decided that I'm going to do a very special class just dedicated to this particular topic, the topic of what happens if I messed up? What if I messed up? What our breakups can teach us about our relationships. So I'm going to divide tonight's class into four portions. The first portion, I am going to, um, I actually asked a number of people who have recently broke up or who have been divorced for a while to give me their number one tip for someone who has recently broken up, let's say. Sorry, give me a second here. Um, so I, I asked them for their number one tip and I'm going to share some of those tips with you. So that's the first part of tonight's class. The second part of tonight's class is I'm going to talk 
as a rabbi would talk about some of the spiritual and some of the Jewish uh, secrets behind learning from divorce, learning from breakup for your relationships. The third part is going to be some actual practical tips that I am going to give you for your relationships. And the fourth part is the most coveted question and answer session. I've already received about eight questions before tonight's class, and you are welcome throughout the evening to continue to ask me questions, and I will address those at that point in tonight's very special program. So let's get started. So before or leading up to this class, I asked a number of people that I know who have been divorced or have recently broken up. And the question I asked them was, what is a tip? What is something that you learned from breakup? Because the truth is that it's really not about the fact that you had a difficult relationship. It's about who you are today. Who are you today? What have you learned from the breakup, from the divorce, from the past relationship? What are you taking with you on to your next relationship, which will, God willing, be a very successful and a very lucrative relationship? So here are some of the uh, pieces of advice that I got. One person said, I learned that you never know what someone's demons and past issues are until it's too late. Someone else said, if a relationship is problematic before marriage, it's going to be problematic on steroids after marriage. You're at your best when you're dating before any real stressors like health issues, finances, kids, or in-laws take hold. If your relationship is tenuous during the honeymoon phase, it's only going to get worse down the road. Someone else told me, I didn't realize how easy it is to get married and how difficult it is to get divorced. (laughs) So true. Um, Someone else said, I wish I had known how unrecognizable the relationship would eventually become and how deep my wife and I would have to look within ourselves to find the kernel of love that brought us together in the first place. Nobody ever really told me that once we go deep inside the maze of married life, our life would become unfamiliar. And it's so true. Sometimes couples grow together, and sometimes couples grow apart together, unfortunately. Someone else said, divorce can bring bigger challenges than the the marriage itself. Thank you. Absolutely. Here's another one. Don't marry your best friend. You can have many best friends. You need your partner to be loving, passionate, thoughtful, and caring. It's not about having things in common, unfortunately. That spark needs to be there. You can't fake passion and sincere attraction. It's wonderful. Again, these are not my thoughts. These are thoughts that I got from people who have been divorced of what they learned from their past relationships. Uh, Someone else said, I wish I had realized that I'd be a different person at 32 and 42 and 52. And that 
and then the person that I was when I got married at 22. I wish someone had told me that I'd grow to, and change and that the person I chose to marry needed to be someone who would embrace growth and change along with me. How great that is. I do agree with that, is that over the course of our relationships, we are going to grow and change. So perhaps, and one of the things I've said to a lot of people who are looking for a long-term relationship for a long-term partner is I wish I could tell the singles what is really important in marriage and perhaps their list of things they're looking for will be completely different than the list that they have. And I would say that one of the most important things to look at in a potential partner is someone who can grow and change. And I mean, before you look at the potential partner, look at yourself. Can I be a person who can grow and change. Because the truth is, as this person said so brilliantly, you are not going to be the same person today that you will be in 10 years from now. So if you're not able to grow and change, first of all, if you're not growing, you're going the other way. You're going downward. You're regressing. So if you're not someone who's flexible and who's able to change, well, there's a big problem with that. I will... um, I'm going to go through a few more. I got so many great answers, and I keep on getting great answers from people that are even uh, here right now who, are, um, who have been divorced or have recently broken up. Uh, someone else said, I wish, um, I wish I had known marriage was going to be a learning experience, <laughs> largely about myself. Yes, absolutely. Some of that learning may have been hard, but it's well worth it. Lasting love is never guaranteed. If a marriage does end before you plan, you have to try to be humane, civil, and keep learning as you go. I love that. Fantastic. Another person said, uh, when you have children, the difference in your upbringings are going to matter a lot. And I agree with that. The moment you bring children into the picture, where you come from is going to come um, into play. Though, And I'm going to talk about this maybe a little later, that a couple can create a mutual goal or a mutual journey or a mutual destination. And by doing that, they don't have to worry as much about their story or their narrative of origin. They can worry more about their future narrative and where they're going. Someone else said, I wish someone had told me earlier that you simply can't change or improve your spouse unless your spouse really wants to change. The greatest lesson for me has been realizing that I need to appraise and focus on his positive qualities. As a wise saying goes, we come to love not by finding a perfect person, but by learning to see an imperfect person perfectly. I love that, that we come to love not by finding a perfect person, but by learning to see an imperfect person perfectly. Someone else said, while dating, never ignore your gut instinct. It's always right. I I would say that is true. Sometimes not always true, but that's a a good point. Um, Someone else says, when someone shows their true colors, believe them. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Someone else says, no matter how bad one person wants to stay married or how much love one person has for the other, 
if you both aren't willing to make it work, the marriage will fail. Absolutely. Absolutely. Someone else says, you are never responsible for anyone else's feelings, ever. And don't let someone blame you when you know you did nothing wrong. Okay? I would say to that person, very good, but it always takes two to be in a relationship, and you are the common denominator in your relationship, so I wouldn't pass the blame on the other person in the relationship. I'm sure they're also to blame, but it's important that you also take a blame, and we'll talk about that also. Some other people ask me questions with regards to that, and we'll talk about that a little later. I wish someone had told me that keeping a marriage alive and vibrant takes time and efforts. The initial glow of a new relationship wears off and you have to put some work into it. You have to keep dating your spouse. Make the effort to communicate so you can fix the little problems before they become big problems. These are all really fantastic life lessons, little nuggets and little lessons. For those of you who are signed up for tonight's class, I will send you Um, Obviously, anonymously, I will send you some of those little nuggets and life lessons because I think that it's not only important that you get it from me, but you also get it from the world, from the universe, and from others. And these are people who have recently or have gone through divorce or breakup, and this is what they have to share with you. Someone else just wrote, we come to love not by finding a perfect person, but by learning to see the imperfect person perfectly. Absolutely. I just, sorry, I just wrote that. Um, that, that was someone that, that had sent it to me. Uh, be careful who you take advice from. You are the one who has to live with the decision to divorce. Absolutely. What a great little nugget and piece of advice. So that's the first part of tonight's class, which is the little nuggets and things that people have shared with me. Now I'm going to go into the crux of my class. I'm going to go into my little uh, 15-minute diatribe or so, maybe 20-minute diatribe on uh, some of the spiritual uh, and Jewish lessons that we can learn from breakup. And once again, you're welcome to continue asking your questions in the chat, and I'm hoping to get to your questions at um, at 9 o'clock. So one of the things I've always been fascinated about is the fact that divorce in the Torah is a mitzvah. Now it's a mitzvah that perhaps we don't anyone, we don't want anyone to ever perform, but it is a mitzvah. And the Torah understood that breakup, that divorce is important and perhaps as important as marriage. Actually, there are more laws in the Torah having to do with divorce than having to do with marriage. Now, the question I've always asked myself as a rabbi, as a student of the Torah, is why does God tell you how to get divorced if he believes in marriage? If God really believes in marriage, why should there be divorce? Marriage is the end all be all. It's the answer to all the world's issues. If that is really true, and that is what God thinks, then why should God tell us how to get divorced? And and not only does God believe in marriage, but God believes that you should be married. And God wants you 
to be married to the person that you're married to. So then why does he allow you to get divorced? It doesn't make any sense. If the most important thing you should be doing as an adult, if the most important thing you should be doing in your adult life is getting married, then why should you be allowed to get divorced? I mean, if you look at other cultures and other religions, divorce is shunned. Divorce is frowned upon. And not only in Judaism is divorce necessarily not so frowned upon, not only is it allowed, but the Torah explicitly tells you how to do it. Now, as with all of God's instructions in the Torah, getting divorced is a mitzvah. It's a divine commandment. And actually, God's instructions on divorce are very explicit. But why? Why all the nuances? Why is this so important? This is a question that I've I've asked myself for years. And I have a number of answers for it. I'm going to start with one. I'm going to unpack one answer for you. I think that Because having said what God's instructions for marriage are, God is not going to abandon you when you get in trouble because he's merciful, he's compassionate, kind, considerate. And because of that, there's going to be a second set of instructions. And that second set of instructions is in case you can't follow the first set. It's like a cookbook that tells you what to do if you ruin the recipe. I definitely need a cookbook like that. If there was really one like that, I would really enjoy that. A cookbook that tells you what to do if you ruin the recipe. So two children were once following the instructions on a package of uh, cookie mix. And one of them read the instructions out loud, while the other one was doing the work and preparing the mix. So the child who was reading said, Now you're supposed to stir the dough 50 times. And the other one said, I'm already up to 100. What do we do now? So the first child says, I don't know. I'll go back and see what it says to do. So he checks the box. But the instructions didn't say anything about stirring the dough too many times. So the two of them came over to me. And they asked me, what do we do? Should we throw it out? Should we start all over? The the instructions don't tell us what to do if we mess up. I mean, obviously, you and I both know what the answer to that question is. But God isn't like that. That's not how the Torah, God's set of instructions, is written. God tells us what to do if we ruin the recipe, what to do if we mix a hundred times when it says to mix 50 times. It's like God says to you, this is the person I have selected for you. This is the person I want you to be married to. You can't be married to that person. It hurts you too much. Then don't be married to them. Leave them. But... When you leave them, I'm going to tell you how to do it. This is the specific guidelines through which you should leave the person you're married to. So not only does he tell us we're allowed to get divorced, 
but he tells us how. There's a divine commandment for how to get in, and there's another divine commandment for how to get out. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now, if you go look at... Hasidus or Kabbalah, you're going to see that there's a reason for this. And the basic reason for it is because God can relate to this because God is married to us. So like everything else that exists in the world, marriage is a reflection of what exists in the spiritual world. There is an absolute marriage that exists between mankind and God. So what does this look like? Marriage requires that something which you take seriously, which you take strictly upon yourself, you're very lenient and you're very accommodating, let's say, when it comes to someone else. Now here, the Torah says that God is married to us and that he takes very seriously. He is committed to that relationship. Therefore, he's lenient and he's accommodating when we don't always live up to the expectations. You see, if you get into a relationship, if you get into a marriage and you say, I am here for better or worse, I will treat my spouse as I treat myself, then what ends up happening is you become more easygoing and lenient as you'd be lenient towards yourself. You become lenient and more easygoing towards your spouse. And then God says to us, so you messed up? No problem. Try again. You blew it? Then here's what you have to do. You forgot? Then next time, try to remember. So you forgot a second time? Try a third time. And that's how we know that God is committed to the marriage between us and him. Interestingly enough, some people who uh, stand up for women's rights and who have, uh, who have discussed women's rights, they're, they're, they're not happy with the fact that we call God a he. Why can't God be a she or an it? And I'm not here to talk about philosophy and existential questions when it comes to Judaism, but I'll just answer this one for you. The reason why is because according to uh, Kabbalah, according to Hasidus, that we are in this marriage with God. God in, the, in this marriage is, so to speak, the husband, and we are the wife. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We see God as our protector, um, and there's other reasons as well. And so, therefore, when we call God he, 
because in this relationship, God is the he, God is the quintessential husband, so to speak, the protector, the provider. So sometimes actually, God does an even better than that. God asks us what our intentions were. For instance, he tells us not to mix meat and milk. What happens if we do? Are we gonna get struck by lightning as some people used to think? No. He says, well, it depends on how much milk there was and how much meat there was. And did you do it on purpose? Was it an accident? If it was an accident, this is how you fix it. If it was on purpose, well, don't let it happen again. There is so much room for us to be able to make mistakes in our relationship with God. Just think about that a second when it comes to our own relationships. God expects you to be married to the person he has chosen for you, but God is compassionate and understanding when you tell him it's just too difficult. Maybe, I'm just saying this, maybe God intended for you to be married and then get out. Maybe the laws for divorce are your escape clause. I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying hypothetically. I believe that God intends for you and I to stay married, for all of us to stay married. But if you can't, if it's too difficult for you, then he understands and he's going to help you out. Does that mean that your marriage was a mistake? I've heard that many times. Well, you took a gamble. You lost. Now admit it and get out. You made a mistake. So God is now telling you how to fix it. Maybe, maybe not. It's possible. I don't believe, and I know some of you are going to challenge me on this, and that's okay. I don't believe that any marriage is ever a mistake. I don't believe that any relationship is ever a mistake. It's not a mistake. There's a specific reason why you had or have to be in this relationship. You have something to learn. Now, the funny thing is, some of us keep on getting into the same relationships over and over and over again. Same story, different face. You know why? Because you haven't learned yet. You haven't learned from your past relationships yet. So the story, the narrative, the situation is going to keep happening to you over and over and over again until you learn what you need to learn from that situation and move on. Now, some of us have a difficult time moving on. We like to keep that little uh, cushion, that little uh, security blanket of the relationship. Oh, okay, you know, we're amenable. We're just gonna become friends now. You know, we talk, we're okay. No, no, if it's not working, if you were in a loving and a passionate relationship and it wasn't working, part of the rules of that is you gotta cut the rope. You gotta cut loose. Otherwise, you're just postponing the inevitable and you're never gonna be able to move on. You're never going to be able to find someone else. Your relationship, your marriage, 
your relationship is never a mistake. That's the first and I would say the most important thing that I could teach you about relationships is that you intended, you were intended and it's important that you be in that relationship and you learn from it and you grow from it and you become a different person as a result of that relationship. That is what is intended for you. It's never a mistake. Do you know why? Because you made the choice. It's your choice. And if someone made the choice for you, it's still your choice. And if it was the wrong choice, it's still your choice. And if it's not your fault, it's still your choice. And the moments you're able to say, yes, this is my life. I am not outside of my own life, observing my life from afar. That's not what I'm doing right now. I am going to be an active participant in my life. I'm not going to be a bystander in my life. I'm going to be active. I'm going to be real. My life is real. And this is a decision that I make. Oh, you're going to say, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, the rabbi forced us uh, to break up. Okay, but you were still there. And you can go and rehash it and say, well, I wish this, I wish that. Okay, it's true. But the most important thing you can do is say, I am an active participant in my life and I'm not a bystander in my life. And any relationship that I have been in or that I am in is not a mistake. It's never a mistake it was intended for me. According to the Midrash, the homiletics, the ancient homiletics written by the, the authors of the Talmud, written about, uh, it was written down about a little less than 3,000 years ago. It says that when God created your soul, in the beginning of time, when your soul was created, God created your intended, your partner along with you. Saying that you married the wrong person is like saying that your parents gave birth to the wrong baby. Could you have somebody else's baby? You can never have someone else's baby. And you were born to the right family, to the right parents. And that's a different conversation for a different time. Your soul isn't, was born in the right, to the right parents into the right place. Einstein once said that God doesn't play dice with the universe. If God doesn't play dice with atoms and molecules, then I don't believe that God plays dice with hearts and, and minds and souls. You are, were, going to be, whichever one, past, present, or future, you are going or were married to the right person. And we have to believe that God arranged it, that God set it up, that God predestined it from the beginning. In other words, his mind is made up and that's the way he wants it. You don't want it? Fine. And since God is married to you, he says, as most good husbands say, honey, whatever you want, 
You can have it. That's what husbands say to their wives. If God is our husband, that's what husbands say to their wives, and that's what God says to us. Whatever you want. You don't want to be married? No problem. So how could your soulmate, you're asking, I know what you're thinking, how could your soulmate that's intended for you from creation be the right one if you can't be married to that person? Well, it could be. I'm just saying something for you to think about, that your soulmate was intended, was the right person when you were born, but you both have been through 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, or however many years of life, and it could be through that process in your life, you've had experiences, situations that have caused you to be different than the soul that came into this world when you were born. So maybe at birth you were intended for each other, but maybe now that you've been through the experiences of life, you're not intended for each other as much anymore. Just a thought for you. So let's go back to the reason why God allows divorce. The reason why God allows divorce and commands divorce is because by doing so, he's teaching you how to be married. So even though God has rules, and even though God has laws, and even though God has divine commandments, when you sin, when you do something wrong, he says to you, you messed up, no problem, try again. You made a mistake and you admit it, don't worry about it. You'll do better next time. You did it 10 times already, no problem. It's Elul. It's the month to ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness right now, and I'll forgive you 10 times. And that is exactly how you should approach your relationships. That's exactly how you should be married. That's exactly how you should treat your spouse. The way that God treats you with mercy, with compassion, with kindness, with consideration. Your wife did it again, forgive her again. She did it 10 times, forgive her 10 times. Be as committed to making this relationship last as God has been committed to making his relationship with you last. The moral, the moral of all this is that by offering to help you get divorced, God is helping you stay married for all time. And that's the way God is going to stay married to you. By giving you the rules of how to get divorced, God is also giving you the rules to be able to be compassionate, to be able to be loving, to be able to be kind, and to be able to be in a long-term relationship. That is, that's the secret. That is the, the spiritual secret. Now, what I want to do, so again, the first 20 minutes we spent discussing um, what other people have, have taught about what divorce and breakup teaches us about relationships. The past 20 minutes, I gave you the spiritual. And now, for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to give you practical tips that I think are important for you to know about divorce and breakup and what breakup can teach you about your relationships. So obviously 
there's a big difference between breakup, between divorce, how long you've been divorced, if you've been married for 10 years, if you've been married for one year, there's, there's so many differences in that. So I have to generalize. I have no choice. So I'm going to try to generalize. And again, these are just more general tips. If you have a specific question, please feel free to send me the question. You can send it to me here now. You can send it to me later. Either way is fine. I, I don't think that anyone plans for divorce. And so whether you're jumping into a marriage after a quick few months of dating or after years of planning, I can't imagine. I mean, I've had the great fortune of presiding over many weddings. And I can't imagine that anyone goes into a relationship, goes into a marriage, signs those papers with the thought that one day they're going to be signing the dissolution papers. Now, I know that there's prenups, and I'm not going to get into prenups because I don't necessarily believe in that. I think that if you're going full force into your relationship, you go full force, you don't look backwards, you don't ask questions, you, you put it all in there if you really believe in the idea and the institution of two people being together and being married. Yet, divorce is, is painful. And no matter who starts the process, it takes time to process what I'm going to call, and it's a very difficult word to use here, but the death of the relationship and the life that goes along with that loss. Because no matter what, even if you say that you weren't meant for each other, you had something, there's something there. There is a loss. And because of that, you need to go through the mourning period. And even if that mourning period means that you have to first deny it and then you have to accept it and then you have to mourn it and then you have to, you know, the, and accept it again. Then, you know, that, that process that we talk about in, in actual mourning, there is a mourning process because you are mourning, you are mourning something that really existed. It was real. And, and this is your life. And this is a real part of your life. You have to start over now. You're at ground zero and there's a road ahead of you that you didn't plan and you maybe didn't want, but that's the reality. And out of all the headaches, out of all the frustrations, maybe even the shame that can come with a divorce, there's also, I believe, important lessons that you can learn. And with a clear heart, you can more clearly see the mistakes and maybe the poor choices that led you down the path that you're at right now. And I think that for a lot of people, and I've lived vicariously through so many relationships, that I see that people's relationships and heartaches change them in so many ways, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. But most of all, I think that it's able to prepare them for the future life, for the next step of their life. Now, you can continue to be in the same you know, perpetual motion. You can never get, there's different stages to your process. And it's possible that you'll never leave the first stage. And if you never leave the first stage, look, I, I, can't, uh, I can't answer that for you, why you never left the first stage. But if you're able to accept and say, I'm part of the process, I'm part of the problem, and learn from your past relationships. Now, firstly, if, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again because I think that it's important that it be in this particular discussion about divorce and breakup. 
if you are from a family, if you're from a divorced family, if your parents got divorced, especially if they got divorced when you were young, that's very important. It means that you don't have a good role model or you don't have any role model for a successful and loving relationship. If your parents fought a lot when you were young, you don't have a role model for a loving relationship. So the first thing you have to do is three steps. And through the research that there's been on people who come from divorced families, there's insane amounts of research um, about people that come from divorced homes saying that they have a much higher probability of getting divorced because they don't have role models for relationships and other reasons as well. But there's three simple things that you can do if you're from a divorced home to be able to not get into that, that problem. Divorce, I mean, if your parents did not get along, if you, if you say, you know what, I'm going to go so simple into this not only from divorced homes, not only from parents that fought, I'm gonna go a step further. If you say, my parents' relationship is not the relationship that I want, you fit into this category. If you cannot learn, there are some people, you ask them, oh, I would love a relationship like my parents. I would dream of a relationship like my parents. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody else. If you say that I don't, why I know my parents or knew my parents' relationship and I don't want to mimic that relationship in my future relationships, then this matters for you right now. Number one, step one, you have to decide why your parents got divorced, why your parents fought, why your parents' relationship was not good. How do you know that? How do you know why your parents got divorced? I know what you're thinking. Just ask them if they're still alive or if you're able to. That's not what you need to do. You need to ask yourself because it has nothing to do with their narrative. This is you and your narrative. You have to ask yourself, why did my parents get divorced? Why did my parents fight? Why did, do I not want to have the same relationship as my parents? Number two, could be the easiest and the hardest step. You have to say the following words. It was, it is not my fault. It was not my fault. It is not my fault. It has nothing to do with me. It is their relationship and their narrative and their story. So many kids blame themselves for their parents' breakup, for their parents' arguments. So many kids blame themselves, especially if it happens when you were young, before you can discern between right and wrong as a young adult, and maybe as a teenager or even younger. So many kids blame themselves for their parents' inadequate relationship. It's not your fault. And you have to just say it over and over again. If you can't listen to me and you can't do that, you may need therapy for this. This is one of those moments that you may need therapy for. And number three, which is the most important of the three. So number one is why did they get divorced? Why did they fight? Your own narrative. Number two, it's not my fault. And number three, what am I going to do differently? Now, how do you know what you're going to do differently? How do you know what that's going to be? So you have a couple of things you can do. You can learn, you can come to these classes and you can put together your own roadmap for what a happy and loving relationship looks like. Your ideas 
your philosophies for a happy and loving relationship. You can take a look at your friends. You can take a look at family members, people you're close to, and you can look at their relationships and say, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't like my parents' relationship, but I have a physical couple that I like their relationship. I want to know more about their relationship. I'm going to ask them, what's, how, do, how do they make it work? And you can interview them or you can learn from them or you can observe them. I would recommend that if you really think that this is the kind of relationship you want, that you need to approach them and you need to interview them and you need to find out what makes it tick. It's great to have a physical role model for a relationship, for a healthy and happy and loving relationship, especially if you don't see your parents, which is the closest relationship to you. If you don't see that as a healthy role model, then I definitely recommend that you look at someone and find a couple through, for, through whom you can learn what a healthy relationship looks like and a healthy role models for your future relationship. So that's my first, and I would say most important piece of advice because before we talk about your breakups and before we talk about your divorce and your relationships, we have to talk about your family of origin. And I'm not necessarily saying in a Freudian way, I'm just saying in a practical way, if you don't believe that marriage works. If you don't believe that long lasting love is a good thing, then what are we talking about here? Well, of course you're not gonna be able to get into a loving and happy relationship. So you need to first start with that. Next. Um, my next piece of advice to you is, no matter how much you're gonna plan for your marriage, you're still going to be unprepared. It's all gonna be theoretical, until it's practical. You're gonna learn more about each other when you're married than you ever will when you're dating. And I know so many couples say, well, you know, you gotta try it before you buy it. I don't know all these terms. I don't even understand them anymore. But the point is, is that dating, the courting engagement is going to be nothing like a marriage. And I know people say, oh, what is it? It's just an institution, it's just a piece of paper, okay. True. We've spoken about this before, but I'll say it again. Maybe, but how many couples have I spoken to that there's something that changes? There's something that changes. So I definitely think that premarital classes, I require every couple that I marry to go through premarital classes. I have a program that I myself use and I'm developing now for other um, clergy and rabbis and people to be able to use as well. But I think that so pre-marriage is important, preparing yourself. I think if you're going to go for 10 dress fittings, you need to go for 10 rabbi fittings. So that's as important, I would say, as anything else. So many people are focusing on the day and on the wedding and not on the marriage. So when you're engaged, it's really important to together focus on the marriage. But you have to, at the same time of doing that, you have to keep an open mind and and, and a heart that, an open heart that changes are going to come. The person that you marry is probably not gonna be the same person that you stay married to. You're gonna end up marrying a number of different people in your lifetime. It may be the same person, it may not be the same person, but you're gonna have a number of relationships throughout your life. Hopefully it'll be a number of relationships with the same person, but sometimes, for some of you, it hasn't been that way, and it isn't that way. Not everything that was endearing 
at year one is going to be cute later down the road. That beginning of your relationship, the first little bit, that's your honeymoon period. It's going to end. And some of the things that you found very romantic and loving in the beginning is not, will not be the same as the things that you're going to find romantic, romantic and loving further on. And that's okay. You're allowed to change. You're allowed to grow and you're allowed to progress as an individual. And especially you're allowed to grow and progress as a couple. You're going to get annoyed at things that you weren't expecting. You don't have to let it dictate your words and actions. I mean, extending kindness in the wake of annoyance creates happier days and more stable home. Just because you're annoyed, I'm not saying don't say it, but you can also be kind. You can be annoyed and you can be kind at the same time. This is a person who matters to you, who you're sharing your life with. So you don't have to become angry. And if you do have that anger issue, well, that's important. Deal with it. Talk to somebody. Here's my next piece of advice for you. Marriage is a partnership of two imperfect people who are going to make mistakes and they're not going to always give their all. They're not going to always have perfect days. There's going to be bad days and there's going to be good days and showing compassion for your spouse allows them to show more compassion for you. You don't show compassion for your spouse so that they show compassion for you. This is not a tit for tat world. But if you show more compassion to your spouse, you're gonna create an element of compassion in your relationship. You're gonna create an element of, of compassion in your life. And that's fantastic. You're each gonna have moments of weakness. You're each gonna have times where you're gonna give less and the other person's gonna give more. That's okay. Learn to take care of your spouse and also accept them taking care of you. It's okay to lean on them. It's okay to allow them to take care of you. Whoever said that marriage was 50-50 was never married. Marriage needs to be whatever your situation calls for. Sometimes it gets close to 50-50, but usually it has nothing to do with 50-50. It's not tit for tat. It's whatever it needs to be. It's your relationship, it's your life. Don't start keeping track. Oh, I did this for you. You did this for me. It's not going to work. It doesn't work long term. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is so important. Don't hold grudges ever. And don't especially hold grudges on your spouse. Don't hold grudges. You're going to hurt each other. It's okay. You're going to hurt each other with your words. I hope not with your actions but sometimes even with your actions. Even when you didn't mean to, it happens. And I'm not talking about the big serious things, that's a different thing. I'm talking about on a daily basis. It happens. You live together, you, you share a life together, you're gonna hurt each other. Learn to assume positive intent and choose your battles wisely. Just let it go. Ask for forgiveness. 
or accept when forgiveness is asked of you and let it go. It's okay. It's okay. Let's talk about love. Love is much more than a feeling. I love and I am in love. I am in love with my wife and I have to choose to love her every day. The choice to act in love towards your spouse is going to be easier for you some days and harder other days. But it's a choice that needs to be made daily. The type of love that a marriage requires is much more than a feeling. It's a state of mind. It's a choice of lifestyle. And it needs to be shown in all of your actions. And in everything that you do. I think it's also important to say, and I think that people who have had breakup and people who have had divorce understand this more than anyone else, that marriage goes through seasons. What starts in the summer will eventually make its way through the fall and the winter and then the spring. The hard times make the sweet times even better. Don't get lost in reminiscing on past warmer days while failing to see the positive change that can happen that's right around the corner. Work obligations, parenting responsibilities, arguments, trials, they're all part of the marriage. But if you won't live through the tough times indefinitely, remember that change is inevitable. Each period of hardship creates the opportunity for an even brighter future. The true test of strength of your union comes during your struggles. Marriage is the most difficult and the most rewarding commitment you're ever going to make in your life. And even though you're going to have seasons of difficulty, the heart, the heart of marriage and the joys that it brings are worth every bit of effort that it requires. So we had 20 minutes where we spoke about what other people learned, 20 minutes on the spiritual elements of relationships, 20 minutes on my practical advice. And now, my friends, as it's two minutes before nine o'clock, it is my, uh, my great honor to um, present the most coveted question and answer session. So I'm going to go through, I, I said I would give priority to questions that came in before tonight's class. So those of you who sent me questions, I'm going to go through those questions first. And then you're welcome to ask me questions um, in the chat box. And I will then go through those, ch- those questions afterwards. So uh, the first question that came in is the following. Got to take a break a second. Um, Okay. The question goes like this. My ex cheated on me. How can you put yourself back on the dating scene with a positive attitude if you have been dating and now divorced and my ex cheated on me and I did nothing wrong and now I've been punished? I don't know. 
you know, I think that life is all about attitude. And I think that you have to think about what you're going to dwell on. You can spend your life dwelling on the fact that you were served a can of worms. It could be he was a bad guy. No, he cheated on you. He was a bad guy. It's terrible. I'm very, I'm very sad for you. I'm sad that you had to go through that, that you, but you don't have to continue to go through that. If you are divorced, you don't have to be punished for it. If you're done, if you have cut ties, you can mourn that because there probably was good moments, but there was also reasons why he cheated on you. Or you know what? I'm not going to go that far. Maybe there were no reasons why he cheated on you, but he did. And that relationship is over. And now it's time for you to move on and you could move on or you can spend the next five years talking it over, creating that narrative and saying, this is the story of my life. This is who I am. I am a person whose husband cheated on him, on her, and, and, and I'm never going to be able to move on because that's who I am. You don't have to be that way. You can decide the story that you tell yourself about yourself. You can decide the narrative that you keep in your life. And it's really up to you. And there's nobody that can tell you there's no therapy there's no guidance counselor. There's no, count, there's no coach that can tell you any difference. If you decide, I, I'm assuming, I, could, I can even sense from your question, and I'm, maybe I'm wrong, I'm just making an assumption here, that this happened a while ago and that you're still harboring on it. And there's no one in the world that can tell you anything different than that. You're harboring on it, and that's the reality. You can change that at any time. You can decide, I'm sorry, I don't want to be like that anymore. It's time for me to move on. And I hope you do. I really hope that you have the strength and the willpower. And I, and I pray and I wish that you do have the strength and willpower to be able to move on. Okay, next question. How do you forgive on a level that overcomes broken trust when asked to do so? How do you forgive on a level that overcomes broken trust when asked to do so. Okay. Let's learn from divorce. Divorce, according to the Torah, has to be a complete break, a total release. There's a lot of people who keep, you know, they say, oh, well, we're just going to be friends. I understand if there's kids in the picture, there has to be something, you know, where, you know, especially the shared custody. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the relationship elements. There are people who don't want to let go. They're like, ah, maybe that other person is going to want me back. Maybe they're going to realize they're wrong, especially if one person is still in love while the other person is getting divorced. Divorce, according to the Torah, has to be a complete break, a total release. And then there's this idea that in order to take the relationship to a higher level, you need to let completely let go of the lower level. Between every something, there's a nothing. Between every something, there's a nothing. A breach of trust means that your level of your relationship was not strong enough. You need a higher level of trust. So you shattered the old relationship. You need to completely let go of it. And the other person 
needs to earn that trust back from scratch as if the first relationship never existed. This is the idea that psychology calls rupture and repair. Relationships grow, relationships in general, they thrive on rupture and repair. Every relationship is gonna have rupture. Now, a lot of people, especially young couples, they come to me, they got into one fight and they're like, oh, I don't know, it's the end of the world. We got into a fight, that's it. He hates me, she hates me. Relax, fight is good as long as you repair it. You need to have good fights and then you have to have the ability to repair. When you have rupture and repair, you're gonna become closer. And I'm not talking about just, oh, we just had makeup, whatever. No, I'm talking about real, real repair, that you worked through it, you discussed it, you had an element of a way of communicating. And there's many different ways that couples communicate, but you need to have a way that you communicate so that you can actually repair those broken elements of your relationship. Next question. Um, my parents are separated now because my dad resides somewhere else. It's pretty hard. I love them both. Yeah, it's very hard. It's very hard on kids when, when people, when, when parents separate. But I think that, again, and I said this before, you have to say, it's not my fault. It really has nothing to do with you. It's their relationship and it's their choice. And it really has nothing to do with you. And you have to say, it's not my fault. That's simple. And then obviously you have to learn how to be in a successful and a loving relationship by either having a model, a role model for a loving relationship or by spending time and learning and growing and creating your own narrative for a loving relationship. Next question. My ex-husband was physically abusive. He says that he cannot change because of his violent nature. Psychologists admit that only 3% of men will change. That's interesting. I'll look that up. I'll fact check that later. That's very interesting. 3% of men will change. I would say 0% of men will change and 0% of women will change because you don't want to, you don't, it's not you to say someone else should change. It's their choice. They need to be the one to say that they're going to change. So I would say when you're talking about a narrative about someone else, it's 0%. We still love each other, but he has anger issues. We had a complete break for two years, no contact. We're now in contact and we love again. I'm afraid the violent behavior will start again. Okay, so number one, I'm gonna say to you, I'm happy that you had the clean break. Now that you're in contact, you need to say the thing. You need to have that discussion. Don't assume, ask. You need to turn to him and say, whatever your name is, dude, guy, guy. You have, you have had in the past, I know you better than anyone else because I was married to you. You have had anger issues in the past. I just want to know, 
do you still have those anger issues? What have you done to change your behaviors to not have those anger issues anymore? What have you done? You have to ask that question and you have to listen to that answer and have that discussion, have an open discussion. It's so important. So many couples come to me and they assume things. They assume things about the other person. They say, well, maybe this, maybe that. I don't want to know maybe that. Just ask the person. The person's still alive, thank God. And you're in a relationship with them, I guess. So ask them, talk to them. Oh, but we don't want to mess up a good thing. Then that's not a relationship. Then you're not really in a relationship. If you're telling me that you don't want to mess up a good thing, you're not really in a relationship. You need to have an open and honest discussion about the things that worry you. You're never going to be able to build trust again. Trust takes a long time to build. And you're never going to be able to build it again if you're doing the same thing you did before. What did you do before? You assumed You allowed things to move on. That's not going to work. That's just not going to work. And you, 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 you have to not assume you have to ask. The next thing that I would say is in order to build up trust, you also have to build a, a place for trust. So not only do you have to build the communication, but you also have to build the relationship. So now that you've had a clean break of two years and you're starting over again, now is your opportunity to rebuild your relationship and do it properly. Talk, communicate, and say, we didn't do it right before. You can say it, say the thing. We didn't do it right before. And now this is our opportunity to do it right. And a lot of couples, even who aren't divorced, a lot of couples have to do that. Like I said, you're going to be married to a number of people in your lifetime. The question is going to be, will you be married to the same person? Why can't we repair our relationship? This is a question. Why can't we repair our relationship while separated? And then if we choose, we can reconnect. Well, I think I answered... I answered that question just now. I think that you could repair, but you don't separate to repair your relationship. You separate to repair yourself because there's something about you that didn't allow this relationship to thrive and to flourish. So you have to ask yourself, take the responsibility as someone in that relationship. How much of the responsibility do you take? You don't take 50%. This is not a tit for tat world. You take 100% of the responsibility because you are 100% responsible for you and for your relationship and for the situations that you put yourself in. So you are 100% responsible for your side of this relationship. Take the responsibility, learn from it, grow from it. And maybe as this other person said, maybe two years later, you can grow and you can connect in the right time, in the right place, or maybe not. But it's not about, you're not doing this in order to be able to reconnect. That's not the point. You're doing this in order to be able to grow yourself and hopefully be in a relationship and allow yourself to be in a relationship once again. Okay, next question. What if in your past relationship, your partner wasn't ready and asked for a break, but you don't believe in breaks, okay? So you explain to them that, you explain to them that there's room for communication and work, but no break. 
So both parties call it off, but one keeps on coming back towards you. You try to be civil and you deal with it in the most humane way possible, but you need to cut the person off. Is it considered selfish to end without answering? I don't think ghosting someone is ever a good thing. Once again, I'm going to say it, um, like I said before, you, you, you need to say the thing. You need to communicate. Don't try to, to be passive aggressive about it. Don't be selfish. Yeah, you're going through your thing, no problem, but at least communicate in any situation. Even if you were in a relationship for one hour, don't ghost somebody. That's not a good idea. <clears throat> If we stay divorced and decide to live together, are we living in sin in the eyes of God? It's hard. The, the answer, I mean, the answer is black and white, yes. Um, it's, your, it's your life. It's your choices. I'm not here to make the choices for you. But uh, the answer is simply in a black and white world, yes. Okay. Uh, the next question. Sometimes two people can love each other. But love, is not, but love is not enough. The couple gets along great, might even want the same things in life, marriage and children. They have love, a deep connection, compatibility. But at the end of the day, if their insecurity and fear of commitment takes over, there is no more relationship. Letting go. How do you let go when you thought you had the one? When you were great together? But again, the same fear of commitment took over. Okay. I know this is going to be hard for you. Just take a deep breath and accept what I'm going to say. Fear of commitment is the ultimate cop-out for covering over what's wrong with the relationship. He left because he was afraid to commit. Stop it. That's a cop-out. It's not actually the case. I think that you let go by realizing that it's not the one. It's not the person you thought it was. You know how you know? God is telling you that it's not. And you're going to learn from this breakup or you're going to learn from this divorce. You, you need to completely cut the other person. You need to completely let go of the other person. Divorce, breakup has to be 100%. So the person who says, we got divorced, but we are still living together, I'm going to say to you, you never got divorced. Maybe you got divorced on paper, but you never actually got divorced. So in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of God, you never got divorced. Divorce has to be that 100% separation. And it's not about the two of you. It's about each of you. You each need that in order to be able to move on, whether it's with the same person or a different person. You let go by realizing that it's not up to you. It's not up to you. It's up to God. And he knows better than we do what's going on and what's good for us. Okay, next question. I don't know if this is something you want to bring up. Um... But um, I'm going, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up. Uh, I don't really have an answer for you, but I'm just going to bring it up because it's something that I think are important. I wanted to know where older singles should turn for sexual health and needs and not feel ashamed. 
people end up turning to the internet for resources, but if there's a Torah way, I know it's not really the case for men, but maybe some kind of leeway or at least something that is somewhat permissible and how one can cope with their needs and cravings until they find your partner in marriage. So one does not have to search and explore via Google. <clears throat> so um, I know it's very hard. I'm not, we don't really want to talk about it in the public forum. Um, these kinds of things are private. And the reason why they're private is because there's elements in the, in the, that are private in our life. Not everything is open for the public forum. But because the person asked me, I'm going to say number one is you should definitely speak to someone privately. Don't, and, and if this is the only way that you um, can ask it in a public forum, well, I, I commend you for at least being asked, able to ask it anonymously. But I think that you need to, to ask it and, and talk to somebody personally and, and get counseled. And um, I think that, you, you know, if that is something that's really important for you, then maybe it'll motivate you to find someone and commit. I really believe there's somebody out there for everyone. And, and, I, and I find that, especially in today's day and age, because we have all of our basic needs met and we don't have any real needs or sense of security, that sense of, uh, you know, th th that sense of marriage that maybe our grandparents had or our great-grandparents had, then we have to create this laundry list of reasons why this person's going to work or what we're looking for or what we're not looking for. I, it's really not about that. It could be about simple basic needs and you don't have to hold out because maybe someone better is going to come along. The person that you have now could be the right person for you or the person you're going to meet. Nobody looks good in a picture. Nobody looks good in a, in a profile. Nobody looks good online. Get out there, meet someone. And I know, you know, then you have people, oh, I know them. How do I know them? I know them because I saw them at a speed dating for three minutes. You don't know them by seeing them at speed dating or at an event or I, I don't know, wherever you saw them. You never know who that person is. And I just think that we have to kind of get our, our priority levels down and to start asking questions of how do I do this and this or some other thing while I'm single is missing the point. Don't be single. Obviously, you don't want to be single, so don't be single. And take your, your, your bar from here and bring it down a little bit and, and find somebody. There's somebody there for you. Okay. What if the guy feels like he can see a future with me, but I don't feel like I can see a future with him? It's not really the question, okay? What is the question? What is a good way to respond to a guy who is moving really fast and not feel pressure to answering the question on the spot? Please give me <clears throat> time to think about it and let me get back to you. I know this is a simple answer, but can you elaborate? Are you playing both sides? I don't, is this question like you're trying to find both sides? I. Look, my simple answer to you is, you said it was simple, you're right. Marriage is 100%. You're either in or you're out. And if you're out, don't see him again. The end. What are you teeter-tottering for? Just be in or out. Make a, make a move. 
very often, and I'm not saying this is, this is, this is, uh, I have to generalize, but very often one person will know well before the other person. Usually it's the guy. Guys are more, a little more black and white. So they know before they have to, it takes more time for the woman to be able to, to know what's right and wrong. And that's okay. If you're taking your time and you don't want to feel pressured, that's one thing. That's why I think matchmakers are fantastic or, or having uh, some kind of coaching or counseling through the dating process, because it really allows you to have that sounding board and, and the, you know, like the matchmaker that, it, that is seeing the process through can say to the other person, relax, hold your horses. The other person is, uh, you know, needs time to get to know you more. So there is a value in that. But if you don't have that, so either be in or out. Don't worry about all the extraneous noise that's around. And if you have issues and if you have questions and if you're not sure about certain elements of the relationship, then talk to somebody. Instead of playing both sides, talk to somebody. Okay, next question. I'm wondering how to navigate difficult breakups in small Jewish communities. People have hurt feelings and find it difficult to share space, but nobody was abusive. It just didn't work out. I'm going to say it again. I've said it a couple times tonight. Say the thing. Clear the air with the other person. I think that it's really important that you agree on a shared narrative and you satisfy the busybodies, the yentas, the gossipers, and make it clear to everyone else that you're okay with each other. I know it's hard. Sometimes people get into relationships with people in their own communities, and if it doesn't work out, you're worried. What is going to happen if it doesn't work out? Don't worry about it. Don't be scared. Just say the thing, create a shared narrative between the two of you, and make sure that all the yentas and people who are gossipers around you know about it. Okay, since everything we do is in God's hands, who are we to say that we need to separate 100%? If everything we do is from God, then every choice and every path we take is good, bad, bad or um, bad is, uh, good or bad is from God. And he is the one allowing us to choose the path we are on now. Absolutely. I don't know if that was a question or a statement. I agree with you 100% but take with the responsibility for that. So you're saying, oh, well, why should we separate 100%? Well, because you're separated, obviously, if you're asking the question. And if you're separated, then that is the place that you're in now. You're either in or out. If you're out, be out. If you're in, be in. You can, you can blame it on God. That's it. <laughs> That's smart. So you didn't want to blame it on yourself, and you didn't want to blame it on your spouse. So blame it on God. It's not that easy. You can't just blame it on God. You have, to, you have to take the ownership of that situation on yourself as well. Um, okay, let's see if we have some more questions. I'm going through the, um, I wanna make sure I didn't miss any questions here. If I missed your question, just put it again. Do me a favor, if I, if, if I didn't answer your question yet, just put it again in the notes. There's so many private messages here that I don't see all the questions. <clears throat> Someone said, I think divorce is like an emergency exit on a plane. <laughs> you hope you never use it, but unfortunately sometimes it's necessary. It's a great, great line. Thank you. 
Um, okay. Uh, if there's no other questions, I will end soon. I uh, will just wait. I'm going to wait. Just if, if I didn't answer your question, just ask it privately to me again. Um, otherwise, I'm going to... Okay, so here's a couple questions. I see. Okay, do we have many Basharits and soulmates? The answer is, um, according to the Talmud, you actually have seven people that could be your soulmate. There's one that is like considered your soulmate that you were separated at birth, but there's actually seven people that could possibly be your soulmates. Um, what I always say is the person that you're in a relationship with is your soulmate. You know, just, I know people have this existential idea of what their soulmate is. It has to be this perfect, and they have this romanticized idea of their soulmates. It doesn't have to be such a romanticized idea. You know, it, it, it is what it is. Whatever is good for you is your soulmate. Um, why can't a divorce say marry a Cohen? I did nothing wrong. So obviously you were married to a Cohen. And why can't a divorce say marry a Cohen? Well, um, the Cohen is put in Judaism to a higher pedestal. It has nothing to do with you. You did nothing wrong. Maybe he did do something wrong. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's a, there's a particular hierarchy within Judaism and he's put at a higher pedestal. And because we believe that the Mashiach can come at any moment, that is one of the 13 principles of faith that Maimonides uh, says, that it's, I think number 12 or 13, I think number 13, that I believe with perfect faith in the coming of the Mashiach. And if he shall tarry, I shall await his coming every day. And because we believe that, and when the Mashiach comes, the third temple will be rebuilt, and we're going to need the Kohanim, that the Kohanim today need to follow those same principled rules that the Kohanim once before followed. So therefore, he is held as a Kohen to a higher pedestal. And as a result of that, we need him. The world needs him. He may not be, I guess in your eyes, the best character, but uh, that's the reality. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know you have a bunch of questions here about the Cohen. If you have questions specifically about the Cohen, um, let's leave it for now. Um, I see a couple very specific nuanced questions. I'm not going to answer them. I, I, I'm happy to answer you privately. You can email me at rabbi at jewishndg.com some of your nuanced, very specific questions, and I will try to get to all of them, and I'll try to answer you um, in a timely fashion. Okay, here's the next question. How do you differentiate between looking for the person you envision for yourself, personality, religiously, and believing in Hashem's plan for you without letting your vision get in the way? So you have to really have a good idea of what you're looking for. I actually, for those of you who have not done my questionnaire, I actually have a four-part questionnaire that helps you know what you're looking for. I think that if you know what you're looking for personality-wise and religiously, it's going to be much easier for you to allow the Hashem's plan that you're talking about to exist. Okay, If you have an idea, what you do is you have to know who you are first, then you have to know um, who you are in your relationship, and then you can have a good idea of what's going to happen um, after that. Uh, do you think COVID has come to impede the progression of marriage? I don't think so. Actually, I can tell you 
that I have more couples dating than I have ever had before. It's unbelievable. Actually, as we speak, um, just on J Montreal alone, I have 74 couples that are currently dating on J Montreal. So I think that COVID actually has allowed people to think about <clears throat> what is important for them, what is important in their lives, to get their priorities straight, and to finally maybe get their get their um, their their level and their desires down a little bit, and see what's practical and real. Relationships are wonderful. Marriage is wonderful. I believe wholeheartedly and very strongly in the institution of marriage. I think that long lasting and long-term relationships are real. And um, I think that it's really, really important to um, have that, have that experience in your lifetime and to believe in that experience in your lifetime. Person asked me, um, where can you find the questionnaire? Just email me, rabbi at jewishmdg.com. Actually, if you signed up for this course, you got an email from me tonight. Just respond to that email, ask me for the questionnaire. I'm very happy to, to give you that questionnaire. Um, I also have a couple of coaching openings. If you wanna, if you wanna do some coaching, I, can, uh, I have some openings right now for that as well. Um, if you need something specific. Uh, do I recommend dating sites? I mean, I have, uh, I, I, the, the dating site that I use to make my matches is jmontreal.com or jmatchmaking.com. And if you use marketing code rabbi's gift on jmontreal.com, it's completely free. So you just go to jmontreal.com, you use marketing code rabbi's gift, and it's completely free. And there's, uh, we have many, I mean, it's been really amazing. And COVID has proved that um, there's definitely somebody out there for you. So my, my parting words for you tonight are the following. It's your life. It's your narrative. Take control of your life. Take control of your narrative. It's yours to hold on to. If you want to live in the past, in your breakup, if you want to live vicariously through your past relationships, it's your choice. But I pray and I hope and I wish that you have the ability to move on, to learn, to learn from your past relationships. Take all of that knowledge of your past relationship or past relationships and put it in a bag, a nice cloth bag, all of it. Tie it with a rope and put it over your shoulder. Just throw it over your shoulder. And every so often you're going to take it from your shoulder and you're going to bring it back in front of you and you're going to open it up and you're going to learn from it because you don't want to repeat those mistakes. But don't wear it on your forehead. Don't wear it on your forehead. Don't let that be the narrative that you walk around with. Let it be behind you. Let it be your past experiences. Don't let it be the narrative that you walk around with. And I hope and I wish that you're able to move on. And I'm sorry for all of those who have had breakups and for all of those who have had difficulties in the past. And I hope that the next person you meet and the next relationship you get into is that one and that person will provide a long lasting and meaningful experience for you. Those are my thoughts for tonight. Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, I see some of you had uh, some more questions that are coming in. No problem. Just email the questions to me and I'll try to get back to you in a timely fashion. Um, sorry that I couldn't get to all of your very specific questions. <coughs> sorry. And I wish you uh, a very good night. 
and a lot of luck. And uh, God willing, um, in a week and a half, I'm going to be putting out the next one. But we're going to be doing very soon another um, Therapist and the Rabbi with Dr. Asael Romanelli. It was so successful uh, uh, 10 days ago that um, we're going to bring it back. And we're going to be talking about our dating tips. The Therapist and the Rabbi will be talking about our dating tips. I'll let you know about that. You'll be getting an email uh, if you're on our list. Um, if you're not on our list, get onto our list. Um, and you can just email me again, rabbi at jewishmdg.com. You can get onto the list. And uh, that's the story. Have a good night. Thank you for, for being here. Thank you for all your kind words. I see all these really nice words. You're very welcome for tonight's class. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode. <laughs> 